Our gospel reading this morning is Matthew 7. Uh, if you would turn with me to that in your copy of God's Word, or this will also be on the screens. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. So I contemplated throwing out our current message series, considering just the nature of what's going on in our world. But, but as I looked back over the Sermon on the Mount, it, it, it just seems like this is what we needed to be talking about this morning. You know, this sermon is Jesus's master teaching, and people have been reading it and living by it for 2,000 years now. Um, so now's not the time to stop. And our text today, in my opinion, couldn't be more appropriate for the season that we're in. So, so first, this is easily one of the most misused and misunderstood passages in all the scriptures. Uh, this is a passage that even people who have never been to church think they know on some level. Hey, Devin, could you maybe take the slides off the screen? Uh, so people think they know this text. However, it's it, so often it gets mangled. Uh, you'll hear people say that the Bible says, thou shall not judge or something like only God can judge me, right? That's not what scripture says. The reality, though, is that while Jesus calls us not to judge others, and, and I'll explain what I think he means in a minute, it's in no way a prohibition against us using discernment in relationships, nor is it opposed to us taking note of truths and realities about other people. Here's the bigger reality that I think many of us may be missing, though, concerning this passage. And it's, it's really summed up in verse three, which says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You know, Jesus is allergic to hypocrisy. Hopefully that's one of the things that has become clear to you as we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has talked about this multiple times. Don't be like the hypocrites. And in many cases, he's referring to the Pharisees and the scribes and, and their, their religious hypocrisy. But, but now, I mean, he's addressing his disciples directly in today's text. And if, if you're his disciple, then he's addressing you as well. And so in many ways, he's pointing this at us. Here's what we do. In, in a twisted way, we use the flaws and the failures of those around us as a source of our own self-worth and self-value and self-justification. 
So, so when your brother or sister fails, but you don't, our sin nature, our flesh actually leads us to claim their failure as our success. Does that make sense? He failed. And so that means I didn't like he's wrong. And so I'm right. He's not good enough. So I am good enough. And I think that impulse, which for many of us is kind of an unconscious impulse. I think that impulse is actually behind a lot of what we see in today's kind of current culture of outrage. We, we love watching people fall. Like we love to get like the popcorn and watch people fall. I mean, this is, this is entertainment in our culture today, especially when they're celebrities or they're people that we don't like or when they're people that we envy. We love seeing them taken down a few notches. But if I'm outraged about something, then what I'm ultimately saying is that other people are wrong and I am right. Other people are not justified and, and I am somehow justified. So, so when other people's marriages end in divorce and mine doesn't, well, it feels like, well, score one for me, I must be doing something right. You know, when my kids aren't disobedient and someone else's are, well, score one for me, I must be an incredible parent. But, but guys, I think all of that is a delusion. This is a form of self-justification. And it's hidden to most of us, but we need to pull back the curtain on it. Like we need to see the darkness that is inside of us. And, um, and the fact that we are all hypocrites at our core. And, and in Jesus's eyes, no matter what your brother or sister has done, no matter what your neighbor has done, no matter what some politician or people on the news or anybody else in your world has done, it doesn't make you righteous. The failure of another person does not make you righteous. There is only one who is righteous, and it is only through his righteousness that we are justified. Judgment is all about passing a sentence on someone else. That's what a judge does, right? If, if you go before a judge, he's ultimately going to render judgment. He's going to render some kind of a verdict. And, and judgments come with consequences and repercussions. I think, I think all of this actually relates on some level to something that Jesus said back in chapter 5, verse 22. He said, whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. It's, it's like, who am I to ever call someone else a fool? I'm a fool right? Who, who am I to ever call someone else a fool when, when I am just as unrighteous, when I am just as filled with sin, when I am just as incapable of saving myself? In other words, I'm, I'm a terrible judge, and, and you're a terrible judge as well, and I'm a terrible judge because I can't see your heart. That's part of the point here, is Jesus is able to see something that no one else is able to see. Jesus is able to look inside of us and see what is real and true, what is actually happening within us, not the facade we put on, not the things we say, not the act that we present to the rest of the world. 
And so who am I to ever pass a sentence on someone else when I can't truly see their heart? By the way, I tend to be, I don't know if this is you, but I tend to be far more gracious with my own sins than I am with the sins of others. I'm far more quick to judge and condemn the sins of others than I am my own. Now, here's the thing. If, if this has ever been thrown at you in like a defensive way, like, don't judge me. If that's ever happened to you, if someone's ever said that to you, oftentimes I find that what's really being talked about in those moments isn't actually judgment. It's really more discernment. Um, we talked about this a little bit on our evening prayer call last night, but if you invite me to your house for dinner, and then proceed to drink an entire bottle of wine and just get trashed. Well, when I sit down with you the next day and say, hey, I'm, I'm concerned about your drinking, I'm just using discernment there, right? I'm not judging you. I can't see your heart, but, but I have seen some fruit in your life. And the fruit that I've seen does not lead me to a positive outcome or a positive conclusion. And so from a place of love, I want to come to you and say, hey, I'm concerned about you. Is everything okay? Is there anything that I can help with? But, but what might happen is you might take a defensive posture and say, how dare you judge me? But most of the time, that isn't actually judgment. It's, it's more discernment or just recognizing truths and realities about another person. And that is something that the scriptures do call us to do, because if we are going to be loving towards each other, if we're going to spur one another along, if we are going to sharpen each other and push each other towards the way of Christ, then in many ways, we do need to be mindful of what kind of fruit is coming out of our lives. And that's something that should happen within the context of the loving community of the church. We should be in a position to not only confess our sins to each other, but also in a position to come to each other and say, hey, I, I noticed this. What's that all about? Or I, I saw this happening in your life. What's going on there? Is there some way that I can help? Or is there some way that I can love you during this season? It's not judgment. It's discernment. So don't let a fear of judging another person prevent you from loving another person because you're too worried about whether or not they'll receive it as judgment. So one of the big ways, though, that we do judge people is by stereotyping individuals based on things like their skin color or their ethnicity or their socioeconomic status or what part of town they live in. This is why something like racism or something like white supremacy is like the pinnacle of Mount hypocrisy. It's just so ridiculous when we consider the gospel. Anything that declares that I am better than other people is an anti-gospel. Anything that declares that I'm better than someone else is an anti-gospel. It's an anti-gospel because the gospel says that none of us are good enough, right? The gospel says that you are incapable of righteousness on your own you are incapable of saving yourself. And so that's why Jesus died 
and rose from the dead. He didn't just do it for certain people groups. He didn't just do it for people who were smart enough. He didn't just do it for people who had a certain amount of money. He did it for the entire world. He did it for the whole world because no one is righteous, not even one. So when, for example, you won't give money to a homeless person, because in your eyes, all homeless people are drunks and addicts, and they're just going to go blow the money. Well, then you have effectively passed judgment. Now, I, it's this thing where it's like, I could help, but I don't know, I've deemed you unworthy of my help. Now, maybe there are better ways to help than just handing out cash. That might not be the wisest thing to do in all situations. Maybe you could say, hey, just using discernment, hey, let's go inside this restaurant. Remember when we could go inside restaurants, y'all? Let's, let's go inside this restaurant and I'll, I'll buy you a meal, right? You're, you're using discernment there, but you're still making yourself available as a believer to help. You haven't declared this person unworthy of your help. Um, you haven't declared this person hopeless. That may seem like a fine line, but it's an important line. Judgment leads us to pass sentences on people. And we need to be incredibly careful about that. Now, these last verses seem a little enigmatic. Verse 6, it, it relates to what we just talked about, though. Don't withhold discernment to the point that you're just continuing and continuing to use your energy and resources on people, even though they are clearly not interested in the way of Jesus. Uh, for the disciples, this teaching also looked like something like Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, which says this, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet when you leave that house or town. Jesus had sent the disciples out two by two into the various towns and villages to declare the message that the kingdom of God had come near through Christ. But what he told them is, there are going to be some people who just don't want to hear what you have to say. And, and you could stay there forever and ever and ever and just keep plugging and keep plugging and, and think, oh, maybe one day they're going to get it. But Jesus says, no, there are going to be some people who don't want it. They don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. And what would be best would be for you to go, all right, I, I've, I've given you guys the gospel message. I've served you. And now I'm moving on. And hopefully we'll find some more you know, fertile fields in another place. It, it relates to the parable of the sower as well. The sower went out and scattered seed. It fell on all kinds of different soil. And so we need to be mindful of that as we go. So, you know, as the disciples went into a town, if they were rejected, they would move on. They were just using discernment. It wasn't judgment. It was discernment. So here, here's what's ahead of us. I think in the coming weeks, lots of opportunities to be judgmental. And many of us have already experienced the temptation to do this. Um, as we watch the news, as we thumb through social media, our tendency is to want to pass judgment on other folks and declare sentences against other people. As it relates to the coronavirus, how people are responding, how people are not responding, what precautions people are taking, what precautions people are not taking, what folks are saying on social media, not to mention the whole, the fact that, by the way, there's a presidential election going on, and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff being said or not said, and 
I'm sure we have a host of opinions about those kinds of things. All of these things, though, have the potential to pit us against other people. And that's exactly the position that Jesus does not want us to be in. That's actually one of the major positions that he doesn't want to, that he wants us to avoid. Because, because when we're kind of pitted against other people, then we're just buying into the way that our culture, our secular culture operates, which is we all want to kind of get into our camps or tribes and, and act like we are the ones who are right and then law bombs at the other side and condemn the other side. And, and we need to be careful to, to walk this middle path, to, to walk this third way that says, listen, I, I'm, I'm not sinless, I'm not perfect, but I do know the truth about what is real and what is true. And if we condemn other people because they don't know the truth, if we pass judgment on other people because they don't believe the gospel, then we are losing sight of the fact that those are the very people that we are sent to. And listen, in a season like this, God's mission has never been more important. In your lifetime, people are going to be looking to the church, not just the entity of the church, not just local church organizations, but to you as people who identify with Christ and who say that you are a part of the body of Christ. They're going to be looking to you for answers, right? And we don't have all of the answers, but we do have the answers that make a difference eternally. I don't understand why all of these things are happening. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. That would be foolish of me to claim to know those things. But I do know that our hope is found in Christ. I do know that he is good. I do know that he is sovereign and in control. And as other people look to us, scripture tells us that we need to be prepared to give an account for those things. And so I hope that's something that you will just have in your mind as we walk through these next few weeks. Even if other people are wrong, right? Even if other people act foolishly, God loves them because they are created in his image. And it's good news for us because if God can love them, then surely he can love us as well. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your Holy Scripture. Father, we thank you for a way that we as the church can gather together. Even though, God, this is not what we want, even though this is not something that we hope will become normal to us, we do thank you for it. And I pray, God, that this would be an encouragement to our hearts today. Father, help us to be people who walk in love and hope as we walk into these next few days and weeks. God, help us to be people who, even though we are practicing distance, I pray, God, that our distance actually won't be social distance. I pray that it would just simply be physical distance. God, would we use every tool at our disposal to connect socially, not only with each other, but also with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with the people that you've given us influence over. Father, help us to use the resources and the tools that we have uh, to do those things. And, and Father, I pray that through the power of your spirit that you would bring this season to an end, that you would heal those who are sick. Father, that you would eliminate the virus that is invading our world. But yet at the same time, I pray God that the church the real church would wake up and would give you everything. I pray, God, that this would be a pivotal moment in our lives where we would truly turn over the whole of our being to you, Father, that we would actually be forced into this place of trust with our resources, our money, and our homes, and our families, and our jobs, and all of these things, God, that, 
that we would recognize that what we sing every week as we sing the doc doxology is actually true. And may we find our comfort in you. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of grace. We thank you for this season of Lent, and we look forward to the coming celebration and feast of Easter as we declare together that Jesus is not dead. He is very much alive, and he is very much on his throne today. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.